Welcome to the new Stars of the Podcast, where we find out all about the artists and what inspires them. I think you'll find it very interesting and a lot of fun. In a place where unsigned singers, songwriters, and musicians can be found. New Stars of the Podcast, hosted by Neil Clark. Hey, contemporary rock band, how does the Caledonian rock machine? I'm with Martin Jenkins, lead singer of Lonehead. Let's get straight into it. When did you become interested in, in, um, in music? Personally? Mm. I was always interested in music. I mean, I, I was a, I was a choir boy. I was a choir boy when I was a... Really? Old, yeah, I was a choir boy, a chorister. You don't look like a choir boy now. I don't look like a choir boy. I did then. I mean, uh, I, I, it was a Episcopalian church, which is actually the same as the Church of England, Anglican. It's a Scottish sort of version of that Episcopalian church. And I did have the, I did have the, the gear, you know, the little rough and all that. But yeah, I was a, a chorister. And I played, um, I actually played brass instruments. I played French horn as a, as a young lad. Uh, and then I started playing bass and getting into hard rock. Wow. I Maiden and things like that when I was about. What age 12. was you then? What, what age was you? What, well, I'd been about 12, 13. And my, the first gig I went to was an Iron Maiden concert at Glasgow. Wow, Park. okay. And it absolutely Blew my mind, just blew my mind, just that these guys were standing there and the lights and making that noise. Mm. Uh, great noise, don't get me wrong, and it just, it was like a spell cast, I've been cursed ever since. Mm. Um, so that was it, and that musical background uh, pushed me into becoming uh, a singer, uh, and at that point I started playing uh, bass guitar, only because nobody else wanted to sing and nobody else wanted to play bass, you know, mm. everybody they play guitar and drums, as, as that's still the case now. Uh, so that that was me. I was the bass player and the singer, and I've always had that enthusiasm all the way through. So that's where it started, really. So, at what point did you, in your life did you think I want to start a band? Almost immediately. I, I, at that point, uh, after seeing those, those bands, and we were into that sort of hard rock scene at the time, uh, we decided uh, it was like one of these cliches. It was like the boys in the street decided to start a band. And as I mentioned earlier, everybody wanted to play guitar, and I had that singing experience, and I'd already ordered, I think it was a bass guitar through the catalogue, you know, the kind of thing, these old... Kays or Grattans. (laughs) Something like that, yes, it was something like that. (laughs) And I get this really, really dodgy Fender Precision copy bass through, and we started a band, and we were absolutely terrible, you know, but we had great fun, and that was it. And I've always... And I would have been about 14, 15 then. We immediately started rehearsing almost, I mean, within about a year and a half, we'd recorded some stuff, a demo. Uh, it was probably terrible. But we had great fun, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, we started the gig before we probably should have. And really, uh, by the time I was 16 or 17, I was already making some proper demos. Uh, the lineup had changed by then and were already picking up interest from record labels and things like that. And it, it, from then on, it's been pretty serious uh, about pursuing music. So how did you get together then, all you guys? Because regrettably, now, guitarist Jim Kilt yeah. and drummer Mark Brown can't uh-huh. can't make it today. No. So no. how did you get together? How did you find these guys? Well, the the big partnership in Lonehead is, is between... Jim Kilt and myself. I've known Jim since probably uh, the late 80s, believe it or not. Uh, maybe the, the, yeah, probably the late 80s. Now, Jim 
got involved with me because we had the same management and Jim was involved as a producer for my recordings. Uh, he's fantastic. He's a great guitarist. He, he's a great songwriter. He, he is a great producer. Uh, and he's got great musical sensibilities across the board. So I met him like that <clears throat> and just gradually just kept in touch with him. And then I actually was in a band with his wife. Uh, she left the band and then Jim, Jim joined the band. And that's how we really started to work regularly together. Um, and it drifted on for, for a few years like that. Just a working band, to be honest. We went, you know, uh, just uh, pubs and clubs, just making money. And then we decided that we were pretty tired of that and wanted to go back to what we really loved and wanted to make the music um, that we wanted to make. And that was it. That was, we decided at that point to start uh, the band. And it drifted on from there. And uh, there's been a few drummers. Mark Mark came in and done a lot of work with us. Uh, he, he really does the, the big promo stuff. He does the big gigs. Uh, and he's a fantastic drummer with great pedigree. So he, he came on board there. But we have actually worked with other drummers as well. Uh, John Watson, or as we like to call him, Johnny Sunburst Watson. He, he's done a lot of local gigs. Right. And actually the person, the person that's on the recordings is another drummer. Um, he was actually the original drummer uh, with the new band, uh, Craig Haddon. But the person that you see in all the videos and the person that's done a lot of uh, promo work for us is Mark, uh, who most famously worked with... Uh, the Cosmic Rough Riders, who were a, a big uh, Al McGee signing, right. and they'd done a lot of touring. But that's really what it was. It was gen- pretty much a collaboration between Jim Kilt and myself that developed, and we're still doing it, and it reinvigorated our, our love of music, uh, this band, because uh, we get such a great response live from people, and, and the energy live is great. Uh, and Jim's, uh, he, I don't know, you can maybe pick up a little bit from the videos, but when you're working with them, his enthusiasm so high all the time that you think, oh, I'm having a great gig and I'm doing really well. And you look across at him and he's over there windmilling like uh, Pete Townsend. Or <laughs> he's throwing some shapes and his energy level so high you think, oh, no, I need to try harder. Yeah, that's, that's what he's like across the board with songwriting, with everything she does. His enthusiasm's always so full on uh, that you have to you have to step up all the time and say no no I need to try a bit harder I need to think a bit more Uh, and that's great that's great for it in any working environment that's a great thing Uh, but especially in music well you've got a great respect for for the like of Cream and The Who which is balanced with healthy respect for modern day uh, descendants like the Manic Street Preachers and fellow Scots Biffy Clearo Um, are these the influences that have moulded your band to what it is today? Yes. It's probably where the lines cross. Probably like yourself, there's lots of I mean, our musical taste. It's so wide, we're so open to all sorts of music. And although we're a rock band, we love pop. I mean, we're big Beatles fans. We love tunes. We love great popular music. But... Where we land is about there. We, we, we both love Cream and Who and these 60s band. That's a power pop thing where the, the, the tunes are really important. Well, it's a big energetic backing track. Um, but we also love punk, New Wave. And that's why we probably land with these sort of late 90s, early 2000 bands like the Manix, Biffy. Yeah. Who, you can hear it in those bands that there's yeah. all sorts of these influences. There's metal in there, but there's pop. Uh, there's 60s influences 
Uh, and I think that both of those bands are, are very innovative in how they've distilled that. And I, I think both of them have tried to move rock forward. Um, and that's I like to think that's kind of where we are. We're distilling all the best bits and but keeping a pop sensibility. Well, you've been hailed as uh, the Caledonian rock machine. I mean, yeah, I like that one. That's a good one, isn't it? That's <laughs> <laughs> we'll take that <laughs> so what inspires you to write your songs it varies it varies um i mean a lot of the songs on and, and it's going to sound a lot after all my posit, all my positivity it's going to sound a little bit negative but a lot of the songs on this album are to do with sort of frustration it's, it's, I, I don't know i mean you might feel this as well working in the scene that you're in but you come any artistic endeavor you come at it with positivity, you come at it with energy and hope, yeah. and a lot of the time that's that's kind of stifled, and you know you're disappointed, things don't quite go your way. But music's really really tough, uh, and I think for us, you know, there has been a lot of frustrations, and you know we're not big rock stars, we've not got a big long line of hits, and it's that frustration uh, comes through in a lot of the songs. Uh, I mean, the title track of the album's um, it's called Wonderful and How to Get It. And I suppose the subtext is, is, if only we knew, you know, that's the idea. Um, but that, that's what it's talking about. It's that, it's that energy and that positivity. And sometimes it's just, you know, you're a little bit frustrated by it. Dread Weekend is another one. It's, it's a big a song. Uh, it's on the record and it's about gigging and putting all that energy in, but playing really, really tough, tough gigs, uh, poor gigs, um, gigs where there's not a big response. So t- there's a lot of that in there. Um, you know, uh, your positivity, your energy, your hope met with frustration. And I think uh, for people that work in music, a lot of people that work in music will understand that. Because there's other lines of work, artistic types of things, maybe like acting or, um, you know, TV, film, theatre, where it doesn't really matter how old you are. But somehow um, music wants you to be perennially 19 or something like that, you know. And if you get past a certain age, you, know, you don't really count anymore. Well, that's the way the industry has just changed. Isn't it? That's that's just the way the industry has changed, you know. Because yeah. in our day, there were um, pop stars, rock stars that were in their forties and fifties, you know, yeah. and they were still kicking out big tunes that we we uh, truly loved. And then all of a sudden, you get to the to the uh, the new millennium, and all of a sudden, this this uh, musical in, this in, industry that we're we are in suddenly says, do you know what? You really don't cut it at the age of forty. We want we want people younger to be more appealing to the to the younger generation. Yeah, I suppose as I mean, it is a very visual. Although it's music, I mean, in the modern age, it's become very visual, and, and you can understand partly what that's about. But you you see with classical music, with jazz, nobody cares. Nobody cares how old you are. Um, and, and acting and things like that, nobody really cares. Yeah, everybody loves young actors, actresses, and that's, you know, everybody likes to see them on screen. It's, 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 it's lovely to look at and all that. But great actors and uh, great actresses keep, just keep going. And I think that's that's a bit of frustration with rock music that, you know, you make a great record. If you're starting at 35 or 40 or whatever, uh, it's hard, it's hard to, 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 to break through with that. But... What there is now is is the, is the internet, the social media, and there are uh, there are now pathways because there's less gatekeepers there, and we've discovered that people are people. Uh, music fans don't really care. Music fans want to listen, 
and our audience is growing and we, we're very excited about by that. Um, so again, again I'm, I'm, I'm talking in two different directions here. The record does talk about those frustrations, but uh, down the ground we, we've actually found that, yeah, people are, are, are coming around to it, people are enjoying the music. We're getting streams, we're getting people joining our, our email list, and, and it's growing. So, yeah, it's quite exciting. Have you thought about um, putting yourself up for a, a record label? Well, we are actually signed to a record label. Uh, oh, you are? We are, are yes. It's, are. it's a small label in Glasgow. It's a new music group called Ioko Music, uh, oh, and we are signed to a label called Fantastic. That's an F-R-A-N, Fantastic 68. Um, but again, they are, they are very small. It's early days. Uh, they've got uh, jazz on there. They've got uh, pop. Uh, they've got a class, a great classical composer on there. Um, so it's 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 quite a an exciting label, quite an exciting project to be involved in. But you know, th- there isn't a massive amount of uh, of money floating around. But they have been very helpful. They've helped support us. Uh, They've helped, well, they paid for the recordings and uh, they've helped support uh, pushing it out in terms of marketing it a little bit. So, uh, yeah, so there's a label, but again, they're, they're a very modern label. They're trying to do things in a new way um, and trying to use social media and trying to use the internet in a positive way. So, yeah, it's exciting. Well, don't bill me. <laughs> Don't bill me for this interview, please. I'll be bankrupt. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Well, we're going to take a break, and we're going to play your your first track, being uh, Jazz Killer. Now, this is about internet trolls, isn't it? It is. Yeah, we had... Well, very early um, on, we had a bit of a spell of one or two people just having a go, and uh, it was quite... We were actually found it quite funny, but they kept popping up. And we kept trying to bat them off and try to, we would ignore it. We would, and it just kept coming and it was so nauseating and it's so negative. But that's what the song's about. It's, uh, you can shoot me down, but we, we come back fitter. <laughs> yeah. I gathered, I, I did gather the, um, the actual mini behind you and I thought, wow, you know, this, uh, and what got me about this song was that it was so pumped up and energetic. Mm-hmm. Um, but the meaning still comes through. You don't lose what you're trying to say, and it, you do get the uh, the message that you know um, you just don't mess with people's lives. It's you know you just don't do that kind of thing. And as I, I don't understand why why internet trolls do. I can only think that they are jealous of that band. That's the only explanation I can come up with. Is that it's, it's just pure jealousy. Yeah. Well. You know, if you you don't have anything positive to say, don't say it. You know, and oh, I, I yeah. take some sort of a quick thrill out of saying something and maybe trying to, to get a response out of people. But uh, yeah, it's a sad, uh, a sad sort of uh, underbelly of the internet. I mean, we were just talking there about how how positive social media and the internet can be for artists, but that that's the, that's the flip side, isn't it? And with everything, there's always always a dark side. Excellent. Well, we're gonna spin the record now. You were born on a Monday In a red-ass town Your average education Brought expectations down You never made it to college No, 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 no You say that you don't care You married someone you're bored with But then you always were It's a wonder that Yeah. Sure. 
COVID-19 and lockdown has caused untold issues in every kind of business, in every kind of life. Um, how has it affected you and, and your band? Well, um, we were regularly gigging. We would do occasional promotional gigs, completely original material gigs. But also we would go out and do a sort of hybrid thing. We would do covers and a few of our own in different places. But we were gigging one, two, three times a week. Uh, so it, it was a great promotional thing for us. But also it was, a, it was part of our income. Uh, we were earning some money from that. So that has completely stopped. Um, and that, uh, that's been tough. And I think for us, the upside has been, uh, as I mentioned to Yella, we, we've managed to turn our energies towards creativity, mm-hmm. turn our energies towards songwriting and recording. And that, that, that's been great. In terms of working, I mean, I know so many musicians that, uh, of their earnings came from live performance. And, I mean, what are we now, Neil, six months into it? Yeah. Uh, Some of them are, Mm. yeah, yeah. Some of them are really, really struggling. I've been lucky personally. um, I teach guitar. I'm I'm a guitar tutor as well. So I've managed to go on to uh, platforms like Skype, FaceTime, Zoom, and uh, I've kept some sort of income going there, which has been really good. It was very, very stressful at the start. I had, yeah, I bet. I had, a, I had a headache for about 10 days, just trying to get everybody onto a certain platform and uh, wondering if I could do it like that, wondering if how they would respond, wondering if the technology would work. But actually, it's been it's been very good. And, uh, uh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's given me some sort of income across that time. But it's been oh, it's been massive. It's been a massive, massive impact for artists. And uh, as I say, we've been lucky on two fronts. That, as I say, uh, with with the online education and with uh, songwriting, and uh, it's kept kept Lonehead going for us. The songwriting is sort of remote recording thing. Um, so pretty much, yeah, it's a, it's a mixed bag, a mixed bag. But uh, um, well, at least we know we'll get through the other side of it. So, have you seen each other since the second lockdown, or are you not seen any of your band? I haven't seen the band since March. Wow! <laughs> but we've recorded. I, I we've recorded. Um, I think at last count, it's twenty twenty one new tracks. So they're not they're not completely finished. We need to get some live uh, percussion things, uh, maybe some a little bit of drums, and we need to sort of re-record the vocals, but we have them to a, a pretty high level with remote recording. Uh, so that's been great. That, that, that's kept the whole project shunting along, and it's given us the impetus to put this album out rather than just sit on it until whenever, whenever the, the lockdown's over. So, uh, But no, I haven't, I haven't actually seen anybody in the bands for, uh, for months. Did uh, you obviously go into a studio to do your recording. Mm. Is there no facility for you to be socially distanced but still do your recording? Well, we don't. Well, we don't. I say we, the, the album you're listening to was recorded in a studio. The new music we're doing, uh, Jim Kilt has a setup, a home setup, a recording setup, which is fairly well specced. It's quite uh, quite a good setup, uh, and I have got some equipment here, but not. Um, 
not to the same level, but enough to, to, to do some track lane. So we can record to a quite a high level ourselves. The plan now is to take these tracks into a, a better environment, a studio, and mix them and possibly finish off with some vocals and things like that. So that would be the idea. Um, there probably would be bits and pieces we, we could have done um, with social distanced uh, sessions together, but we've, we've not actually felt the need. Uh, we've been able to do it pretty much all remote. And we speak to each other on the phone. We send each other emails. We go, right, I need this. We need to do that. Why don't you try that? Okay, I'll try that. And then we just send the things back and forth over email. And it, it's been great. It's been really good. And it's given given myself impetus to work on another couple of projects on the side with different artists like that. And, and I think what it's done with that type of uh, technology, it's brought it forward 10 years in the same way as Zoom and mm-hmm. Skype and all these things. It's, it's brought it into people's lives. And I think for a lot of musicians, it's the same. They've realised what technology is there. And because uh, they have to, they're utilising it. There are some artists that, that are starting to do their gigging live on Internet. Yes. yes. Is that something that you, you would probably uh, think about doing? Uh, we've thought thought a little bit about it. <laughs> I'm a bit terrified. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I've, I've done. We've done a little bit. A little bit of um, sort of streaming bits and pieces for local charities and things like that. We've not actually done anything as Lonehead proper. Uh, and I know there's a lot of it out there, especially early in the lockdown. People doing live streaming and the little uh, um, PayPal. Uh, you know, kind of busker's mug there, so. yeah. <laughs> busker's cap. No. Yeah, it just didn't really feel right to us. I mean, you know, uh, the artists that were doing it, seemed, some of them done really well with that. I think people get a little bit tired of it. Um, but I, I think if it if you if it was done right, you could possibly do a, a live streaming event if it was done to a decent standard and uh, um, the technology was right. The, the presentation was right, uh, but again, that might be quite hard to get. You know, you might need a little bit of cash to pull that together. I think. Yeah, I think you need a major studio, like TV yeah. studio, to stream all that um, together. I think. And so yeah, I uh, I agree with you there. It's nothing that I can do, I'm afraid. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you're not that big. I'm not, that, I'm not that big. I don't. My pockets aren't that deep either. So. <laughs> Uh, Luke Clark streaming Lonehead Live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? You know, New Stars TV. Yeah, let's get in there. I know. Now, cool. yeah, yeah, first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll have loads of uh, artists coming on. Um, certainly to uh, to get their their songs out there. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> now your songs are very relatable to everyday life. Yeah. What about subjects like politics, climate change, wildlife, etc.? Ever thought about producing songs to draw attention to those matters? No. Yeah, they, we have done it, and there are some of the new, some of the new songs, new material that dip into these things a little bit. On the album, no. Um, there isn't much that's it's political or gets on a wider, um, you know, climate change. I mean, we're both uh, interesting subjects like that. And we're both uh, interested in politics. I was, I've just been obsessed by the, the, the American 
president. I haven't got a <laughs> bit to the election. So, yeah, Biden um, versus Trump. Yeah, go on. Oh, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've no... Uh, no, no, they, they, haven't, they don't appear on this record. It's quite a personal record, this. The lyrics are, mm. on the main, there's a couple of exceptions, but on the main, they're, they're speaking about uh, quite personal feelings about, about uh, you know, music and what, what music means to us and what the, our career means to us and uh, family. Uh, so generally, that's what it's talking about. But, but yeah, we, we, we do write about other things and watch this space. Oh, <laughs> you said it now, so we're all going to be glued now watching. Yes, who knows? Uh, there could be a big, uh, a big, a big song about uh, Donald Trump not leaving the White House, <laughs> <laughs> throwing his toys out of the out of the pram. Yes, absolutely. I know. Well, your new album about ambition thwarted by circumstance was due to be released but put on hold due to the COVID-19. Do you have a date for the new album release yet, or is that still suck it and say? Do you mean uh, in terms of a a, a vinyl or a physical release of it? Well... I mean, the album was out, it's out uh, 6th November, so it's out last Friday in terms of digital release. So that's out, so we may may do a, a physical release of some description in the new year. Uh, if we can pull together the funds from um, IOCO Music, they might give us the money to press up some some vinyl and some CDs. Yeah. So we're hoping so, but that that may be in the new year. And again, it gives us another bite of the cherry to come back to you guys and go, listen, it's out on vinyl now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's an extra there's an extra track, you know that that's, that'll be the plan. So. Excellent. <laughs> well, it's been said to to drag uh, rock. Um, kicking and screaming into the 20th, 2020s. Yeah. What is so different to your rock compared to that of yesteryear rock? Well, I, I think, I think the, the sense of melody is different. I think the, the, the vocals are different. I think the references are different. I think, uh, rock in the 60s and the 70s, a lot of it was very, very, um, American, even the British rock. If you think of Led Zeppelin, it's, it spoke about you know um, the blues. It spoke about uh, Americana, about about the levee breaking, and a lot of British rock did that. It, it talked a lot about America. I think recently, um, most British rock talks about. Uh, and a lot of it with a, a Scottish or an English accent talks about British concerns. It talks about things that are a bit closer to home. Uh, I think modern rock does that as well. Um, I mean, the bands that we mentioned that are quite uh, are big influences in us, like the Manics and, and Biffy Clyro. Uh, yeah, it's very clear they're not American bands. You can you can hear it. You can hear it in how they sing and what they sing about. And I think that's the big difference. I think the voice has changed. I think the focus of the of the material has changed. And I think uh, for us, um, that that's w- w- what we're about is um, being honest and, and having a voice that's uh, meaningful to, to people around us. You know, it's not it's not we're not making reference to references to 
Los Angeles or New York? No, it's more self-centered now, isn't it? Self-centered to, yeah. where, to where you actually live, your country. Yeah, right um, about, you know, that's what it says, isn't it? Now, we're going to play your next track, which is Monkey Boats. Now, I mm. wore a pair of Monkey Boats back in the yeah. day. But yes. I get I get the feeling that that song isn't quite about the footwear. No. And again, <laughs> we, we, uh, we did talk about, you know, we've talked in general terms about, about the album and what the album is talking about. And here's one of the exceptions. Monkey Boots uh, is really about serial killers. It's a spooky song about um, oh, a sort of Fred West type um, 1970s serial serial killer and it's uh, a little three chapter story in the song um, well I've got about, something about, I could get something like that because you know he, you heard you know that she was getting high he was getting high and he mm-hmm. was he was not being uh, being caught he was able to get away with things yes it's that it's that yeah it's a dark little kind of tale of set in a kind of uh, the, the the Sweeney type 1970s um, backdrop, um, and that's about it. I, I have nothing else for you on that. <laughs> it's just it's just this little this little kind of bizarre tale um, that sounds all kind of quite poppy and happy on, on the top, uh, and the monkey boots reference is just to kind of it gives it that colour of, of the time. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's it's a sort of um, a smiling face, but a, a dark heart. That song. Well, certainly, um, when you say "Monkey Boots," reflects to the time, the era. Yeah. Um, that is my era. Um, yeah. Probably not quite your era. Well, probably not quite. <laughs> You're probably coming out the, the the end of Monkey Boots in your era. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Um, but the youngsters today won't won't understand what monkey boots really were, and they were just like a normal leather, um, lightweight kind of trendy boot at the time. But um, yeah, I've still I, I've I've still got a pair. Actually, have you really? Yeah, I I I, uh, I was the the management bought me a pair when we made the video. One of probably part of that medley. Um, it was it was decided that I should actually have a pair, so I wore a pair in the video, and, <laughs> yeah. I, and I got I got to take them home, so I still wow. have them. Yeah, so and they're great. That's the other as you say that they've got these lovely big thick soles, uh, like the like uh, lorry tires or something, but the the leather's really really light, and they're so. I think they look great personally. So very if, if anything's out there, they are very comfortable to wear. Yeah, yeah. Google, Google monkey boots. Uh, but they were, yeah. they were very trendy back in back in the eighties. They were very very trendy. So um, yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Let's have a listen to the song. She wore monkey boots.
you have a cracking production team engineered by Grant Milne, who has previously previously worked with the likes of Peter Gabriel and mixed by Stuart McCready. Um, mm. Now, wonderful, and how to get it was mastered by Callum Malcolm. That's correct. Um, who's also uh, mastered the Blue Nile Simple Minds, Mark Knopfler. Yeah, he's done some stuff. What is it like working with such an awesome talent with these guys? Well, um, we worked directly with Grant, uh, who engineered most of the uh, recording. And Stuart, I never, ever met Callum. That was sent off to Callum by Stuart McCready, who who done the mixes. So I never met him, but I know, I know of him. Uh, he's, he's a great talent. Uh, he, he engineered and produced the first Blue Nail album, uh, uh, Tinsel Town in the Rain and all that. So yeah, that's just an iconic record. Stuart, uh, who done the mixes, he recorded Jazz Killer. Um, what else did he do? He done four of the tracks. Um, I can't remember, Gentleman of the West. Uh, another two tracks that are on the album. And uh, but Grant Milne recorded the rest. Um, now Grant's great. He, he, he's worked at Air Studios and... He, he done some great work with uh, a couple of Dundee bands. I don't know if you remember. Um, uh, oh, the name escapes me. Moving on, I can't remember. There's a bit for the a bit for the edit. But uh, he, he's, a, he's a he's a really really talented uh, Danny Wilson. That was the band I was trying to remember. Danny Wilson. Uh, you know, so he 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 worked with them a lot. He was a great engineer. Um, it's it, it keeps you what what it does working with these guys. It really just keeps you on your toes. It's, it's sort of uh, like the, the thing I was talking about working with Jim Keel, the guitarist in the band. Yeah. You think it's good enough, and then they say, no, it isn't good enough. Uh, do it again. Uh, you know, the, the, the attention to detail uh, with recording, with, with, with getting the sound right, uh, it, it really is an education. And they're both really, really easy to work with. Uh, and Stuart tied the whole thing together. Um, in terms of the mixes and gave it a real sheen, a real sound, a real identity. Um, and we're hoping, we're hoping with the new material that uh, we can at least get Stuart involved to, 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 to get it to that level again, to come in with the mixes, uh, maybe help us with some vocals, uh, and uh, maybe possibly the master it, I don't know. But it's a real education, it's, it's a real honour to work with people of that ability. Uh, and yeah, and it's it can be a little stressful. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. But what was it like for you? You know, you you you've been told by you know Ioco Music that you know they're going to take you on their books and yeah. get some of your music out there, and then they say, right, you've got to attend this studio. Mm-hmm. So you walk into this studio with these iconic people. And what was what was going through your mind as soon as you walked through the studio doors and the? Well, it is completely different from the recordings that we've done recently uh, with the home recording because that's very free, uh, and you, you've got to self-discipline with that. And those scenarios when you go into a studio with somebody like that, you've got to really be organised because you realise you've only got uh, you know x amount of hours to, to record that track. Because you know the next thing's going to have to happen. You have to move on to the other track. You have to move on to mixes. So you really you, you end up uh, writing down a lot of lists, a lot of uh, using lots of bits of paper because you don't want to disappoint them. You know that they've got their own schedule. Schedule. You know that they've got their own standards. 
So it's a pressure, but it's a very, very positive pressure. It's an exciting pressure. Um, and when you watch these people work, you hope that it brings out the best in you. You hope mm. that you raise your game uh, 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 and you deliver. Uh, and I think, well, I think the record speaks for itself. I think, I think, I think we can honestly say that we did deliver. Um, and they get the best from us and we get the best from them. You've been in the industry for a long time and you've been playing music for a long time. If someone come to you and said, Martin, I want to start a band, where, uh-huh. do, where do I start? Well, depending on where they were, what's, at what level they were at. If, they, if, if I felt they were really ready as, as an artist themselves, if, if they had something to offer, I would say, I would say, make your music as honestly as you can, to the best standard that you can. If if there's an if there's an opportunity to play live, play live and do that. That wouldn't be the case right now. But if they could play as much live music as you can, and and make the best recordings as you can. That may sound obvious, but people don't people don't always do that. They don't always want to play live or. Uh, and, and they sort of do sort of half-baked recordings and then put them out. I would say make sure your recordings are, are at a good, good as best a level as you can afford, and make sure you're as, you, you, you rehearse as well as you can and you play to the best you can. Use you know use as many examples as you can to bring your standard as high as you can. And when, when you get to that, then I would say start building your audience as quickly as possible. Don't wait for anyone else. Don't wait for a gatekeeper. Don't wait for anyone else to tell you that you're good enough. Get on to Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Even if, if you feel your music's good enough, release something on Spotify and start trying to build uh, your audience as quickly as you can and connect with your audience uh, as best you can all over, all over the world. Don't wait. <laughs> I've, I've heard that a lot. You know, not to wait around. Don't. Don't let anyone tell you you can't do something. Just get out there and do it. Yeah, and I think that's true. But I would also say try and be... I I think the flip side to that is some people do release music too early. Some people, um, you know, using that sort of uh, mindset, I think they, they, expo- they expose, to use a, for want of a better expression, they expose themselves a wee bit early. Mm. Um, and that's why I think it's important to, however you do it, or get, you know, find people to management or find people like minds who, who can help you out and who will tell you that it's not good enough so that you, you make the best possible representation of, of, of what you want to say or what you want to do uh, and not a sort of half-baked version and a rush to get it to people. So I think it's important that you do the very best version of, of, of your art um, before you go down that road. But if you feel that it, that it is strong, then, yeah, get it out there, get it to people on, on, on these platforms, learn about how to do that and build your audience as quickly as you can, your own audience. And then the gatekeepers will come knocking if it's good enough and you've, if you've built up a, enough of an audience, then th- th- those people will show up. What, what are you uh, referring to when you say gatekeepers? Well, the old way, the old way would, would have been, um, you, you know, you make some recordings and then, you, you know, you can't, you couldn't advance your career unless somebody signed you up to a, a decent signed label. You couldn't advance your career unless somebody at a radio station said, this is good enough. Uh, so you really had no chance unless there was these, or the, the music press, uh, unless they picked up on it. So these very, very important key people yeah. who stood in the way of your career. And if they said no, 
you were done. That was it. It was over. That isn't the case now. No. You can go directly to, to um, you know, to, to, to people in Spain and Mexico and France, wherever. And, and the music just stands up by itself. And if it's not good enough, then, you know, you're going to struggle to build to build a loyal audience. But if it is strong, then the possibility is there to, to build up a, 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 an audience that, that, that might actually end up making you some money, you know, uh, making you, building your career. Um, but in the past, that, that was always down to, to other people to decide that. And I think, especially in Britain, it was a very, very fashion-based thing. Mm. So you could be, you know, you could be chasing a trend and then quickly find out that was last year's sound and you could be a fantastic band, but uh, just not quite this year's sound or your haircut wasn't quite right. Uh, there's all that yeah. nonsense. Uh, you wore the cut, your, your shirt had the wrong cut. So no. So what uh, problems did you face when you started your band then? I, I think like a lot of, of um, well, not so much with this band. I, this, with this band, uh, with Lonehead, it's been it's been a bit slower than we would have liked, uh, Neil. But it's been a very positive experience. We've we've encountered uh, great responses live. Catherine's been great for us. Uh, she's she's helped uh, Catherine Campbell, who's a, a record plugger, has helped us get onto radio stations with the uh, earlier single releases and. Without uh, setting the world on fire and without making a million dollars, we've actually had a fairly positive experience with this, and the reactions from people have been have been generally really good. In the past, though, we've encountered the the, uh, the similar uh, the frustrations that a lot of artists uh, face. You know that I alluded to earlier about yeah, you know fashion. You know, been in the wrong side of fashion by a few months, or uh, you know. It can be a very cliquey industry. There's lots of little cliques and scenes that go on, and if you're not quite part of that scene, then you find it hard to get onto the right radio shows. And that's the same. I mean, that's that was the same in Glasgow, uh, and I'm sure it's the same in London and every major city. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of musicians find themselves or have found themselves on the wrong side of that. And with my career, I certainly have on quite a few occasions. But I, I, I think it's different now. I think you can build your own scene. You can be your own clique. Uh, you can be your own gang. Uh, and I think that's really, really exciting for artists. So if you could perform with an artist, ah. who would it be and why? Uh, I would perform with Elvis Costello. Oh, I was only talking about him just the other day. Yeah. And the reason why is, funnily enough, it probably doesn't quite fit in with the artist we're talking about for Lonehead. But for me personally, well, I suppose he's, he's a new, he was originally a new wave artist. But he is an artist that I continually go back to. He, he's, he's a great, unique singing voice. He's a, a dynamite songwriter, a great musician. He's, he's provocative. He's controversial. He's uh, all these things. And I constantly go back uh, to Elvis Costello. Of, of, I own countless albums. Uh, I think he would be... If I could stand with him on stage and sing with him, I think he would he, he would push me to the limit. You know, I think that would be exciting. Yeah. I think you'd find yourself really working hard, uh, but it would be it would be an exhilarating experience. Favorite album or favorite song from Elvis Costello? Uh, it's uh, not one of his big hits, but it was a uh, it's called Either Side uh, of the Same Town. Uh, it's oh, from nice. the Delivery Man. It's a fantastic, it's a country track, really, country-ish track. Mm. Um, 
so that's prob that there's a few there's quite a few to be honest but that one uh, brings a tear to my but I love all I love all the the early stuff my favourite uh, sort of new wave album was this year's model alright yeah it was on the beat and uh, pump it up and all these things on it it's just fantastic just absolutely fantastic I love that the energy on it and I, I'm, I've been lucky enough to see Elvis with uh, a few incarnations of his band but I've seen him at the the Barrowlands in Glasgow alright um, with uh, the attractions and the energy was 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 unbelievable um, tight but loose loose but tight if you know what I mean they were just mm. uh, exciting exciting he was great yeah so uh, unequivocally it would be Elvis but uh, yeah I've got lots of favourite artists but he he's the one I continually go back to oh, I have to say Oliver's Army or oh, A Good Year for the Roses for me Brilliant. yeah Brilliant. Yeah. So, where can we buy your songs then, Martin? Well, uh, right now, if you you can, if you f- fancy high quality downloads, uh, you can go and get them on Bandcamp. Uh, just look for Lone Head Band, L O N E uh, Head Band uh, on Bandcamp. Um, but we, the, the music is available on all digital platforms now. So Apple Music, if that's your thing, Spotify, uh, uh, all the major ones to, to stream uh, as of Friday. And um, where do you go from here? Where do we go from here? Yeah, any future plans? The big, the yes, the live music, I, I really, really don't know. Like uh, the rest of the industry, I, I, I don't really know where that's going and when we would be able to get back to that. I'm hoping possibly in the springtime we we might be able to get some sort of live shows organised. But uh, two things uh, we are hoping to do strongly in New Year. One is to get uh, this album out and some sort of physical release because I know there's still, (laughs) we've been asked countless Mm. times, can I get this in CD? Can I get this in vinyl? So we're hoping to do that. And we have got such a backlog of great new material that I've, I've been talking a lot about mm-hmm. that we really, really want to get that out quite quickly. So I think, uh, again, about the same time, maybe uh, looking at sort of March, April, May, we need to start getting this new material out. So that's a big target for us. Uh, that might come in the form of sort of individual singles building towards an album. It might be an EP, I don't know yet. But definitely, we need to get this music out. Wow, I look forward to seeing uh, seeing that come out. I really well. Now we're going to be playing out now with your last track being wonderful. Yes, brilliant track. Yeah, thank you. Tell us what it's about. Well, it encompasses the the, the, the themes that we we discussed earlier mm-hmm. about this kind of stunted ambition and frustration of the mm-hmm. of the musical artist, and um, it talks uh, about. You know, having these big dreams, but you know, there you are sitting in your comfy chair in your living room too much of the time, and I and I think a lot of a lot of musicians might identify <laughs> yeah, with that. Yeah. The dreams about being Mark Bolin or I don't know uh, Angus Young or uh, Bono or I don't know whoever, and uh, you know, it's not quite worked out. And and it's a cruel industry, uh, and it doesn't because you you've maybe not been one of these big stars doesn't mean you're not a good musician or a good songwriter. So it deals with those themes. In an honest way, you don't. I think it's interesting because a lot of uh, musicians shy away from that 
shy away from talking about that that kind of frustration or that that failure. It's something you know. It's not part of the rock and roll pantheon, is it? To to, to talk about that. So uh, it's it's an interesting one in that that front that we're kind of dealing with that. Um, but I think the the song has still has that has a real positive energy about it. It's it's almost saying, yeah, I'm not giving up hope. We're still here. We're still making music. Um, and it's it has a kind of quite a cheeky sort of title, uh, the album, uh, and, and that it's uh, wonderful and how to get it. And, you know, it's as if we know how to get it. We wish we do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's it's hinting that there's some sort of answer in there, and there isn't. Yeah. But the answer, of course, is that is that you keep going, you keep making music, you keep recording, you keep doing gigs, and if anything's the answer, is the answer is if you enjoy it, don't stop. Well, you won't find it in a magic lamp. That's a dead cert, won't you? That's for sure. <laughs> it's all found from within. So Yes, yes. You've got to keep the passion burning, <laughs> the determination fired up and revving away, and um, you will get there. That is that is a, a sure fact. And unfortunately, you've got to go through a hell of a lot of no's before you get one yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anybody that listens to the music say yes. That's, that's how it works now for us. If, you, if you're listening and you like it, that's a big yes. And you have to make rejection your best friend. Of course. That's a, yeah, and, put, and if positivity is, is, mm. is the big one. You keep going. You don't let that get you down. Um, you know, that's it. So, yeah, we're excited by it. And it's a, it's a song, a song for all musicians and everybody who's striving in this world. Wonderful and how to get it. It is wonderful. It's been wonderful for having you taking the time out to speak with me today. Martin, you've been great. It's a shame about the rest of the band not being able to make it on. Um, But I really do look forward to welcoming you and your band back on my show in the near future. So, yeah, without a doubt, you are, you're all in your band, you're all new stars tonight. Thank you, Neil. I look forward to speaking to you again. She was born to run But I was not born
Jenkins of Lonehead. What a smashing guy. Great tunes too. You can follow Lonehead on all major music download platforms. You can also follow me and all the guests on my show at facebook.com forward slash newstarspodcast. For now, goodbye. Until the next time, when I'll be talking to another new star. Hey.